Good afternoon. Good morning, wherever you guys are. This is Dave Hampton, Robo Recruiter on the Bit About Crypto podcast. Uh, today, I have a uh, very interesting, uh, distinguished gentleman, graduate of Yale. Uh, went, you know, comes from a very interesting part of the uh, finance world, having gravi- uh, gone from the the Bear Stearns, uh, Goldman Sachs world to where he is today. Uh, Tom, thank you for being with me, uh, and uh, you know, can you, um, I'm really curious about how you got to be where you are. So can you kind of give us a synopsis of how you started and, and then how you kind of gravitated towards where you are today? Sure. So um, first, you know, where, where I am today is co-founder of Fluence Labs, which is a peer-to-peer compute platform, which I can explain to people a little bit later. Um, but my my entry into sort of the blockchain distributed ledger world was helping found Hedera Hashgraph, which is a layer one, um, basically Ethereum competitor that um, launched and became, went, went sort of went, went uh, uh, live in 2019. Um, but we were building it from, you know, I joined in 2017 and found it out about 16 and have been building, Lehman and Mance have been building it since 2000, I think 12 or 13. But um, to, your, to, your, to your earlier points, um, you know, I started off out of college at Bear Stearns doing um, technology and, and uh, telecom investment banking. And so that I certainly didn't have a technology background, but you had to be very up to speed on technology to understand what these companies were doing. And this was the time period of the, of the telecom deregulation, 1996. And so there's a huge amount of activity. Um, there was CLEX and DLEX, there were satellites being launched. So you had to really understand the technology because there's a lot of competing things going on, um, which was which got me interested in. And from there, I went to private equity, invested in technology and telecom, got to understand kind of how um, from the investor side, how to look at a variety of these businesses. And then after um, I went to business school and then from there was at a variety of places, Goldman Sachs was one, as you mentioned, and a variety of asset managers. But that period, I kept doing seed investments in technology and telecom companies. And I discovered Swirls via a friend of a friend who introduced me. And back, this is, I was looking at Ethereum and Bitcoin back in 2015 and 16, and he introduced me to Hedera. I didn't know a great deal about the space, but was interested in Met Manson Lehman, invested in the Swirls, you know, not a large, not a huge amount of money, um, but got to know them. And they asked me to come on board to help launch the basically the public ledger because they'd been developing this technology, but didn't have, there was no coin, there was no actual expression of this technology besides lines of code at the time. And the useful thing, and the reason why I think it worked out and why I joined was Hedera was, is unique in being an enterprise oriented public ledger um, where governance is a proof of stake system like Ethereum just moved to, but rather than have the voting take place by, you know, Ethereum's criticized by some because exchanges now control a huge amount of the stake at Ethereum and people kind of worry, is that safe, is it not? Um, Hedera's approach was to have blue chip enterprises provide, you know, basically govern the council in the beginning, control most of the stake themselves where they would have more than money at stake but reputation. And that's a long way of, of articulating that, that Manson Lehman had come from military background and academic background, and I had a lot of relevant institutional relationships. So I joined initially to help launch it and build that 
governance council blue chip institutional um, companies um, to basically sit on govern provide the credibility for this ledger. And so it was it seemed like a great way to jump into a space that seemed super exciting um, and to go into a project where I could actually add value without having a programming background. And that was a kind of a special case for this one in particular. Um, but then I developed a lot of expertise in the area overall, whether it be the, the legal side, the regulatory side, the capital side, um, the youth side, and that that has you know then expanded my interest in Fluence Labs is one of the one of the things I'm kind of doing doing now as well. So so what is so, I mean that's, wow that's 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 a very interesting uh, progression. I mean so it just it's just interesting how I mean going back to when you graduated that was like right when you know Bill Gates I remember you know ninety five ninety six when Bill Gates on Letterman talking about hey what's the internet right so you're you're basically graduating at that time you're you're you get into the finance world and you you you're gravitating towards technology so you figure kind of like a way to like so you're really interesting in that interested in that and and then you uh hook up with uh you know the gentleman at at Hedera right and so how did you get how did you get on with with Fluent how did that uh you know what what was the conduit to that well when I left Hedera um you know I met a lot of people as part of Hedera I mean I was you know running around all over the place 24-7. I mean, just as an example, you know, I was taking calls from the hospital right after my wife gave birth. Like it was nonstop to make this thing happen. <laughs> um, no doubt. So I met a lot of people and some people I met, um, one of the guys, um, a big, well-known investor, Lossie Clausen at 1KX, never invested in Hedera. He came up, we, he was, um, we found him a little bit later, I think, than, than um, made sense for their fund. Um, but when I left, he knew the, he had already invested in the Fluence team and thought they were a terrific group of developers and that it'd be a great combination for me to link up and join them. We'd be a pretty powerful combination. And so it just is an example of relationships that, you know, you never, you, you sort of met them thinking they might invest in you, you stay in touch with them and there's a whole other opportunity that presents itself down the road that was, you know, not even on the, the spectrum of possibilities when you, when you, began and kind of continue that relationship so that's that's how that's how that that developed and i've been with them since uh you know i joined as a founder in 2019 um and have been um you know excited uh, and, and working hard on fluence ever since well that's awesome so so tell us about i mean what you know in a nutshell i mean I, what what is fluence lab what are you guys uh what are you guys trying to accomplish what have you guys done since 2019 What's the, uh, you know, what's the next five-year plan per se? I mean, those are, I know there's all long, one, one question, but I mean, I, I'm curious, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, and I'm sure our audience is too, in terms of what that means and what, what you guys are trying to do. So, so listen, say, man. what Fluence Labs is, is a peer-to-peer -peer compute platform. And that sounds like it doesn't mean anything, but let me explain a little bit. And I've actually been trying to back it up a little bit. What's compute? Everything runs on compute. Every time you type something in your phone or your laptop, right. those characters become digitized, right? Ones and zeros. Probably happens locally right. on your phone or computer. They're transmitted over, you know, the internet, obviously, but they go somewhere and something happens to them. If you're searching for something, that search happens. If it's added to a doc, whatever it is, and everything right. that happens besides storage is compute, right? And so if you transmit it, it goes somewhere. And if you store it, that's relatively simple. There's a lot of people that do storage, but the compute 
is where kind of a lot of value is and what makes everything actually run, right? So you Correct. go to Amazon, yeah. you search okay. for something, you go to Netflix, search. So, yeah. but all that is happening now in a, in a centralized manner. And so that's all happening. Hold on a second. Yeah. So it's all happening in a centralized manner. So that happens with, um, you know, AWS, with Azure, or, or even Netflix will own their own, have their own servers and do it themselves. Right. And so they're housing, in other words, they're housing everything themselves, right? Everything's coming in there. Yeah. They're, they're, all the traffic is housed by them, right? So it's kind of like the idea of, you know, the, the, the phrase that uh, people have been using content is king, right? That's why everyone thinks that if they have the content, people will be attracted to that. You've got to get traffic to you. You house it, it's worth something. That's the value behind that that kind of thing, right? Yes, and traffic is obviously super important and content is king, no doubt. The compute, though, is about, okay, I'm looking for a movie and I don't find that movie, but then it also figures out what are the 10 movies closest to it? How does that, and then I want to add right. it to my queue and then I want to serve it to myself and then what color, like all of that is yeah. the computation and they're incredibly yeah, algorithm, complex right? algorithms that, been, that do that, yeah, right. right? And that takes place on CPUs. And so there's two components to it. One is um, that I'm concerned about and focused on. One is the relatively simple agopolistic um, uh, behavior and situation we're in where Amazon, the cloud, Amazon, Google, and, you know, a couple of others, you know, Microsoft control 60 to 70%. And what that means, they effectively become government tools and, and arms of the government that can actually just shut you down and deplatform you. And so yeah. your application exists. You can, by the way, and you can use Android on your, your phone. You can have encrypted, you know, um, communication, but the compute is now the bottleneck and the stranglehold that actually determines whether an application lives or dies. And that exists mainly in the cloud. And that is an easy point of leverage for, for governments around the world. So that's sort of point one. The other, and yeah. the other point of this is that you used to be able to build on top of applications. You used to have Twitter or Facebook had open APIs where developers could build new tools, new interfaces, new games, programs, features on top of those effectively that data and that compute. They've since closed those ecosystems down. That's no longer possible. And so that is a, that inhibits kind of creativity and inhibits growth. And why, yeah. can you, so a question, just, just I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure it's, maybe it's obvious to most people, but why, why do they do that? Because I think that's important to like illuminate right now. Why, why, why do they do that? What's the, what's because the, they want to capture, they want to capture all the value and they don't want to see other um, ecosystems basically profit off of their user base. And right. so, so they're eliminating competition, right? They're eliminating competition and they're basically saying, yeah, you're going to, it's going to cost you, right? If you want to do that or, or not at all, right. or you can't do it at all because we're not even going to risk that part. Well, gonna, exactly. The example, and I, I may get this slightly wrong, but you got Farmville that was making had users from Facebook. They were spending enough time on Facebook. Now they're spending time on Farmville. Facebook's like, no, no, no. We we can't sell the ads unless it's on Facebook, right? right. So forget it. And so oh, they want out. they want they want the traffic into their site. They have no interest in 
ancillary applications that leverage right. it and leverage that user base at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so and so, yeah. and that keeps going. And so what Fluence is building is that compute, but in a completely decentralized and actually has built in a decentralized way. So you can run any application in a decentralized way. And what that also means is that it uses open source components and by default, data is open and shared, which means people build on top of each other and share users and share data by default. And so that then, and it can't be cut off. And so that then leads to potentially wildly more creative and evolving ecosystems also because you don't then have to rebuild the back end of everything because you can just pop on top of something else and add new features and build on top of it. Yeah. So basically what you guys have allowed for a foundation to be set forth and then there's, and then now you're saying, Hey, come, come build on us. Like we're not going to control whether you can or can't, right. Come do it. You know, let's figure out, let's, let's encourage um, true innovation in terms of like, yeah, we want you guys to do that. Um, How do you, how do you guys, I mean, I, I, I mean, how do you guys monetize it or how, what, what is it? I mean, there's, I know it's, it's a, it's a great thing to be doing. I mean, how are you guys, uh, foresee monetizing it? How is that, you know, how does the business run from that in that regard? So there's two, two components. So first monetization is interesting because we first think about how do people, developers and hosts have the appropriate incentives and how do they monetize it? So first we're worried about everybody else. And so people who host content, host applications, host code, get charged for it and get paid for it like a normal hosting business, like a mini Mm -hmm. AWS. If you use your server at home, you put up a price and people pay you if they actually are using your service. Or if you rent space at Amazon and put it on the Fluence network, you can charge for that. Fine. Then if you write code and write a program or an application or a module which someone else uses, for them to use it, they might host it on their own home and that's sort of then that, that's, that they're charging nothing because it's theirs. But if they're using a third-party host, they're being charged for that third-party hosting service. Some of that fee goes to the software author. And that's set up via smart contract and done initially when that code Got is it. launched. And so the concept is that we provide an actual use-based sustainable predictable and durable revenue stream for open source developers that is not reliant on grants or um, or gifts. And so we think that actually drives a lot more authors of software and a lot more developer interest in being on the Fluence platform. Now, Fluence itself doesn't take a fee and doesn't take um, kind of a cut of this. And so we, but we, you need to use a coin to use the network and you don't just have to use a Fluence coin, but a Fluence coin is the sort of best mechanism or the best thing to use it for. And there's, you know, if you want to be a host, for example, you will need to stake some Fluence tokens on it. So there's a, there's a token model, which also provides security to the network and that is, I think, and then there's a, the token also allows governance of the network. And so our perspective is that we're not taking it in the protocol. We'll have no fees associated with it, but that the value of both governing it 
and then the importance of staking it and, and, and locking it up to provide security will um, lead to the coin to be valid, sort of a circular element, but that will drive value in the coin. And that's, that's, that's our kind of uh, expectation. The other element is that Fluence Labs will be a developer, sorry, will be a basically an ecosystem partner of the Fluence protocol. And so mm -hmm. somewhat like Red Hat and Linux, to the extent that, you know, Fluence protocol is very successful, Fluence Labs can, you know, help people, can come up with product services and offerings to basically sell into the ecosystem um, that is that is grown up around this protocol, the way Red Hat has become a multi-billion dollar business on, on helping people with an open source free system right. called Linux. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Uh, that's intense. I mean, that's, uh, you, so thank you for, thank you for that, man. So, I mean, uh, and how are you guys, I mean, how's it going for you guys in terms of that, that progression with getting open source developers coming on? I mean, how, where, where are you get, what's the status right now? And, um, how do you see it, it augmenting? Um, we have, um, launched the, the peer-to-peer -peer compute networks as live and it works. We have our proprietary language Aqua, which makes it simple and easy to um, compose peer-to-peer -peer applications. The only language that does that, so that's live as well. We haven't launched the monetization engine yet, which is that piece that allows developers to be paid and hosts to be paid. When we do that, that's when we expect scale to happen, but there's a lot of developer tooling that we have to complete prior to doing that. And so our focus now is what do we need to build to have a particular focus and vertical so that when we actually get the incentivization up, there's enough for people to actually use for it to be valuable and useful. So it's we're early stages now. And so the people using it are basically using it themselves and that's it. Um, we have, we're in discussions with lots of projects and lots of developers, but we need to finish this sort of, even though it works, we still have to advance our tooling a little bit further before we expect to see, um, you know, significant developer building. Gotcha. Okay. And um, what what do you how do you guys see? I mean, what 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 are the first couple of things? I mean, it's a it's a uh, um, it's a big it's an evolved question, but I mean. What are the things that you got you foresee needing to happen for for scale to occur? You know, the first couple of things in terms of augmenting that. Two two things I think need to happen. First, we need to focus on a particular vertical, and we're close to one, and so we have to put the tooling in. So one vertical is very easy for people to build on, and that vertical has to be right. So that's sort of that's sort of one piece, and the other is we have to get our incentivization finalized and launched so that people can actually be paid easily and simply for providing compute resources and then for providing code and modules and software, which is actually used by people. So we have to complete those. Those are sort of the two gating items um, and we're making progress with them every day, but those are the two things to happen. We've done, the funny thing is we've done the hard bit. The peer-to-peer -peer yeah. compute's really hard, the Aqua language really hard, but, these, but it also doesn't matter unless we also get these last two things done, which we're working hard on. And 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 uh, last question: What um, do, you, do you have a, a 
not that you're an oracle or anything like that, but I mean, what, what's the, what's the ideal timeline in terms of like, what's the, what's the projected timeline and what's the realistic timeline, I guess is the way I'll ask it in terms of timeline of what? Of, all of, of these happening? two, of these two things occurring, yeah. I mean, is there, is there like, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's, a, there's a desired timeline, you know, right, like yesterday probably. But I mean, what, what's the, what's the ideal and realistic timeline for these? Uh, two I mean, I happen? think that for both of them to be, we're going to get the first is tooling and vertical that happens in the next, you know, month or so, next two months, okay. and then I think the actual monetization engine, those things. That's a Q1, 23 or Q1, Q2, something along those lines is my, okay. is my best guess. So we're not talking about three years away. We're talking. No, it's imminent. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking like, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the next, you got the next uh, quarter that, that ends in December. And then by the beginning of next quarter, you guys are, should be good to go then. That's, that's pretty the exciting. Hope. And may, maybe it slips another quarter, but that's, that's where, that's, that's the level we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's awesome. Well, well, Tom, thank you so much uh, for for explaining this all. It's really exciting to hear what you guys are doing. Uh, is, is there? Um, would you like to uh, you know give a shout out in terms of how the people can reach you or the people that yeah, want to reach you? Definitely. So on Twitter, I'm the Tom Tro T R O W, and you can find uh, Fluence underscore Project on Twitter as well. It's also um, Fluence is um, easily findable on Telegram. Um, so those are probably the best ways to find us and to get engaged and learn and learn what we're doing and, and um, um, see how to participate and help, which would be which would be great. Awesome. Well, well, Tom, thank you. Thank you for investing the time and for educating us, edifying us on what you guys are doing at Fluence Lab. It's super exciting. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, you know, signing off here on behalf of David James, who uh, has been, been inundated with a lot of things that he's got on his plate. So on behalf of him, as he would say, get whispered. And on behalf of myself, eternally grateful. Thank you again, Tom. Great. Thanks. Appreciate it, Dave. You too.